Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! We're back with our first episode of 2022, Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. As always, view housekeeping notes. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and send us an email, info at gallerypodcasts.com. We have an incredible episode coming up. Rachel, what are we talking about today? Yes, a very special episode. We are very thrilled that we get to talk about the Sussex Christmas card because as per usual for us, like the fact that these things break when we have already put our episode to bed, so to speak. Do they say to bed with podcasts? Probably not. But I <laughs> I feel like it just pains our souls because we just want to jump on and record. Um, but we have that coming up. We have a holiday, royal holiday recap, all the goings on that we and you maybe missed. And Bethan Holt, fashion news and features director at The Telegraph and author of The Duchess of Cambridge, A Decade of Modern Royal Style, is here to chat all things Kate ahead of her 40th birthday on Sunday. Also, Bethan, we know you have another book coming out this year. You're very, very busy. I do. Yes. Hi. So excited to be back with you guys again. Yeah, I did the Kate book last year. And then um, in April, I have a book um, about the Queen coming out. So it's called The Queen, 70 Years of Majestic Style, which was a really fun to write. So yeah, I'm definitely royally obsessed with all things <laughs> style. <laughs> I feel like everyone needs to pre-order it now. It looks incredible. And the Kate book is something I, both Roberta and I reference constantly. And I feel like you are the absolute best person to to discuss Kate turning this milestone year. So we can't wait. But everyone had a good holiday rate break, though. Everyone was relaxed for the most part, despite Omicron, which is just wreaking havoc everywhere. I know. Yeah, besides that, it was it was relaxing. And we had a nice long break um, from the office being closed. So that was really nice. And I got to spend time with my new nephew. So that Yay! was great. <laughs> but it was definitely like 2020 kind of a downer change of years you know 2022 it's like oh you know what what can we expect this year but hopefully things are looking up hopefully what about I know you guys? I loved all the cartoons of for New Year's of that were in newspapers of people like not as eagerly bursting into 2022 like the door kind of <laughs> peeking open like maybe we'll wait and see how this goes like take it a little slower but Bethan did you have a nice holiday Oh yeah, it was so nice. I'm um, seven months pregnant, so any excuse We're to hibernate so for me right for now <laughs> was was um, very much appreciated. So yeah, I just went to a little cottage in Wales and oh. just had a very nice time. So um, that sounds amazing. So yeah, there was no wild parties for me. There were never going to be Omicron or not. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like what's funny with New Year's is like I never really go hard on New Year's Eve, but I feel like so I'm usually at home cooking like a big meal. So that wasn't a massive change for me this year. It was. The the best excuse to have a low key like what everyone yeah. kind of wants on new year's which is to sit on the couch and have a glass of champagne like that was the best excuse to just do that so it was really really lovely well let's get into our royal refreshment on that note and now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail 
you know, the beginning, the first week back to work, <laughs> the beginning of the year is a little rough. So we're just having coffee and water and yeah, we don't hydrating want to disappoint. ourselves. <laughs> it's also the New Year's time of New Year's resolution. So we're, uh, yeah, staying hydrated, you know, getting back into the work grind. But we do have a lot to look forward to and to toast to this year. In 2022, we have the Platinum Jubilee coming up. There's also going to be two royal memoirs i just saw the duke of kent is also publishing a memoir in addition to prince harry yeah uh that just broke i guess uh maybe a couple days ago and then obviously there might be another earth shot in america is a big deal also sussex audio content we're still waiting for archival audio some video content perhaps on the horizon and then there's also some sad milestones coming up we will obviously have one year since prince philip's passing but also 25 years since princess diana's passing yeah and i saw that buckingham palace announced that there will be the service of thanksgiving for prince philip in the spring of 2022 so that is details are not confirmed but that's something that will be happening so Yeah. And then we have a listener email from Jen. She wrote in to say, I just listened to your year-end episode. I love Lainey and love the episode, but I'm so confused why Andrew wasn't on the Royal Lowe's list. He's continued to embarrass his family and the Queen's unfortunate protection of him is also an embarrassment. I understand the desire to not give him airtime, but it was a glaring omission to not rank him among the Lowe's. I swear we touched on him with Lainey saying that he was just a given as a Lowe. Exactly. We will say it again, Lowe of 2021 Prince Andrew and everything but we do have some news on that front too that I mean I think it was I don't know why I was surprised that the trial moved so swiftly but the Ghislaine Maxwell verdict that came in over the break where she was found yeah. guilty on most of the counts right Roberta I felt like it's that still was, ongoing yeah, yeah today is the day that the um hearing for whether the judge will dismiss his appeal to drop the case or not um is is about to break or is breaking as we speak. So, I mean, it's, it is definitely going to continue. The Prince Andrew disappointments will continue into 2022. Um, And Ghislaine Maxwell being found guilty is, uh, is a big blow for his legal team. And I know that we mentioned him in the episode and I think (laughs) it was more that we wanted to kind of, uh, it was too obvious. And so we honed in on a few other Royal disappointments and did our Royal highs and lows on fashion. Yes, that was exactly. What we focused our highs and lows on. We are definitely going to be even because we're missing the news on the Andrew the hearings today with that. Mm-hmm. So we will definitely be getting into it in more detail next week. Yeah, Bethan, I just want to ask quickly, what is the sentiment over there? I mean, I'm sure it's similar to here, where it's just ugh, ugh is the word I can use to describe it. Yeah, totally. I mean, as much as there's adoration for the rest of the royal family, you know, there's no way that Andrew is escaping kind of criticism and you know anytime there's uh, there was some story in the newspapers here over the weekend about him maybe wanting to kind of make a bit of a comeback start doing um some more kind of engagements and I mean everyone was just kind of saying there's no way that can happen and um yeah so I think we can all accept forevermore that Prince Andrew is a royal low. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> permanently. We, we are don't officially even have to on the record. It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally. exactly. <laughs> all right, well, let's move on to a milestone birthday for Kate. And now, this week in royal history. This week in royal history, we are devoting it to Kate's 40th birthday. She was born on January 9th, 1982. 
She, of course, met Prince William at St. Andrews University early on, that fateful fashion show, married him in 2011, and she's been making royal history ever since. Bethan, do you have any insights on how Kate might be spending this? I know Omicron has completely upended everyone's plans, and we read that she was maybe going to be doing a 40th birthday bash as anyone deserves <laughs> at this, you know, pivotal moment in time. But it sounds like that's been scaled back. But those are also just rumors. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that we can probably expect not to see very much. I think we're going to maybe see some new pictures of her, some new kind of official portraits, which will obviously be really exciting. Um, But yeah, there's not going to be like you know, this whole big kind of A-list celebrity party or anything like that. And I don't think that would be Kate's style anyway. I think her preferred way to celebrate would always be to, you know, have a nice dinner party at their home in Norfolk and, yeah, just just celebrate as a kind of, as the woman she is, which is kind of fairly low-key, I think. So I'm sure she'll be getting some special presents. And, yeah, perhaps we might expect some pictures, um, of them going to church um, mm-hmm. on on her birthday, which is Sunday as well, with all her friends. She has a very close-knit group of Norfolk friends. So I'm sure um, a few of them might be gathered. But yeah, of course, I'm sure they'll be really conscious of the kind of the optics of having um, a big gathering at the moment. So yeah, but who knows? Maybe Kate and William will have a big joint party later in the year we yeah the pressure is on william for a good gift too i always yeah. <laughs> on the heels of christmas year. too yeah yeah i feel like also 2021 has just been kate's kind of talk about coming of age right like it's been such a year for her on the royal stage i feel like just what would you say, all, both of you, are your predictions for her in the in the next decade? I love the line and the the piece there. You know, we wanted to get into the piece in the Daily Mail by Rebecca English about how by her next milestone birthday, Kate will be the Princess of Wales, most likely will have that title. And I feel like that's just kind of jaw, it's staggering to think I about. I was like, wait, the queen might live to be 105. Yeah, I was like, Why whoa, are we whoa, whoa. doing this now? I don't like that. <laughs> totally, <laughs> but, totally. I mean, definitely it is a fair to say it's, probable. Um, but I, I don't want to go after Bethan because I feel like her predictions will be much better. So I'll go before in saying <laughs> um, I'll throw out my predictions. I think, you know, like we've seen in the lead up to this big birthday where she hosted the Carol concert, where we had, um, you know, the stunning behind the scenes picture of her and William in the back of the car that they arrived to the James Bond premiere, the James Bond premiere in general, just it feels like it's the Kate show right now. And there's so much riding on her shoulders as far as modernizing the monarchy and making it feel not so stuffy. And I think that she has a lot, a lot coming up this year. I think that we'll see her take on even more tasks. There was, you know, the results of the five questions survey, but what, what will she do to kind of act on that? She established, um, a foundation, right? An offshoot of their foundation to kind of handle those things. So we'll see more of that, hopefully, I think. And then, um, you know, the hold still, the culmination of that was the the picture book that they released last year. And I think um, more big projects that she'll be taking on. What about you, Beth? And what do you think? I think you're totally right about it being the Kate show. And actually, um, if I were her, I wouldn't want to think too much about how much pressure is actually on her now. And I think you really can't underestimate that. Um, If you look 
at the royal family. Obviously, we have the Queen and everyone adores the Queen. And, you know, she is this huge figurehead that people around the world look to. But actually, once once you go beyond the Queen, I think Kate holds so much of the appeal and so much of the power. She is the kind of the matriarch in waiting. I know that we have Camilla and obviously she is perhaps going to be queen. Um, you know, when Charles comes to the throne, she'll certainly, you know, be the kind of most senior woman in the family. But in terms of that kind of brand of the royal family and the whole world and why they're interested and why they want to keep reading about the royals, I think Kate is completely pivotal to that. Um, so yeah, there's a huge amount riding on her. Um, but I think she will continue to kind of not let that get to her too much. I think we've we've seen so much of her being very careful. She could have done so much more. Mm. She could have been like out there all day, every day, doing all these different engagements, putting her name to all these different things. And I think what's clever about her is that she's always been very careful and she's always kind of given us just enough actually some people complain that she hasn't given us enough you know but I think now she's got these big projects going on as you were saying and so I think she just has to think very carefully and strategically about doing just enough of those and you know letting just enough light in kind of thing while holding back a bit because as you say you know this isn't a kind of flash in the pan one moment of celebrity for her this is a lifetime Mm. and so she she really has to kind of pace herself so I think we'll see her just stepping it up in very um discreet but impactful ways and on the fashion front this past year I feel like she's really I mean we definitely want your take on that (laughs) yeah it's so exciting (laughs) um I mean as a I, I mean obviously I'm a kind of royal fashion expert but I'm also just a fashion journalist as well um and as a fashion journalist it's so um thrilling to see someone like Kate who is so kind of globally renowned and who you know will be on the front pages of every newspaper and every website when she steps out to be really experimenting with fashion and showing how exciting it can be and you know, really harnessing its power. And I mean, as you were talking about, like the James Bond premiere, I mean, what an amazing moment of just using the most wow dress possible and all the kind of glamour that went with it to really make a huge statement. Um, And yeah, I think we've seen some very unexpected things from her, but also some very classic things as well. You know, those, that dress, the kind of dress coat that she wore to the carol concert and how it sort of mirrored the dress coat that she wore to Prince Philip's funeral Mm. that was such a clever kind of tie-in you know that's not this kind of big flashy designer statement but it's it's really using clothes to send a message and she's just becoming so good at that um so yeah that's so interesting to see and I hope yeah more of that in the months and years to come Oh, more red carpet would be amazing. I also want to um, go back, Beth, into when you mentioned that cautiousness and carefulness because, you know, it's mentioned in this Daily Mail article that there is a family dynamic at play as well that they have to be careful of. You know, the quote from Rebecca English was, initially there was a sense of definite sense of defensiveness towards the newcomer from the other royal households, particularly Clarence House. It's no secret William didn't enjoy the best of relationships with his father at the time. So it's kind of this weird, are the Cambridges eclipsing us as, you know, from Prince Charles's perspective? And 
that could definitely play into how she's she's really taken her time with choosing what she's going to focus on over the years. Yeah, and I think it's also convincing. I mean, of course, you know, there, there are these different factions of the royal family and even though they are a family, perhaps they're always going to be a little bit you know, put out if someone's on the front page and they're not when it's something they've been really bigging up. But I think perhaps the Harry and Meghan episode has taught them a little bit that, you know, they need to operate as as one team and one family. And it was so nice at the carol service to see them all turning out together kind of thing and the power of them as a, as a whole unit um, and really kind of using that, I think, is really interesting. So... I, I hope that we're kind of coming through that that sort of um you know competition phase mm. and competitive to to something where you know everyone realizes that everyone has different talents, different powers, and that that's appreciated rather than um kind of taken as as a slight you know but yeah i no I totally agree and i I think for me, like predictions for Kate, I'm curious if she might be a key through all of these talents and she's you know participated in so many different things and seems to have made moves spontaneous, sometimes like with Sarah Everard, that, you know, is she going to be a key to more vulnerability within the family? Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I would love to see. I mean, I think that that's what we all kind of crave from these roles more and more. And especially when I I get a thrill when there's more of those podcast moments that seem a little bit, I know everything is scripted. It's to some degree, but I think we get a little bit more realness from the Royals in those moments. I did want to touch on the Daily Mail, as you know, Roberta mentioned too, because I think that there was a lot of conversation about this particular piece. I I don't know about you guys. I mean, I tried to read it by not clicking because it's like you don't want to go down that path. But I think you know just some of the things that that were brought up, in particular, the fact that the incident with Megan crying was resurfaced yet again, which seems so crazy that this I think is this the fifth or sixth re- retelling of this or mention of this in a prominent piece. Yeah, and. And no new information, really, just that, like, the quote was, I have it right here, it says, I've been reliably told that the account which suggests it was Megan's behavior toward Kate's daughter, Charlotte, possibly over whether she should wear tights that prompted the dispute is broadly true. It's like, okay, all right, we, we've we established this narrative so far, so I'm not sure. But I think it was kind of, uh, again, like, because the, the sentence before that was, as the queen might say, recollections may vary as to those as to who made whom cry. So, you know, I think there was also in the context of this paragraph was Kate and Sophie had really tried their best, according to the source, to reach out to Megan when they heard she was struggling so much at the end of 2019 and they were rebuffed. Uh, so, you know, according to this source, it's just it's rehashing of what we kind of have already heard, I think. And um it's hard that it keeps coming up, right? It's just like and we need to just Mail, move forward. And in the Daily just Mail, lost which their case against Megan. Yeah. Exactly. So. I think that it's something that just needs to be it's because the incident isn't really about who made who cry. It's also that this was the tipping point for the change in coverage for Megan. So I think the fact that it mm. keeps coming up and being like zeroed in on this, it just doesn't work anymore and it needs to be retired. I know that it's a part of the narrative that people want to focus on, but I think seeing it again, I was just like, oh my gosh. I want it to be about like looking forward, you know, not yeah. back. I think that episode, it, it continues to fascinate people because it's kind of, it's the one real specific insight that we have. Mm. We have all this kind of, 
I mean, obviously, Harry and Meghan said a lot during the uh, during the Oprah interview, but we have a lot of this kind of they weren't being that supportive and they were being supportive. And that one episode is it. It's just like this perfect kind of combination of um, of detail. And it's women. It's pitting women against women again, yes. you know, um, which just happens so often. And so, yeah, I, I, sadly, I can't see a time when that's not going to be getting raked up um, because it does just exemplify everything. But what I actually also personally found quite interesting about that article was... Um, that you know they spoke to her former private secretary and there was also another article in the times newspaper this weekend where they had spoken to um another kind of uh close former employee of the cambridges um yeah so it's they've obviously been allowed to have this in, insight for for the for the birthday yeah right definitely that's all very controlled in terms of how that that goes on a little bit is what we assume right and then we do have it on the heels of the Jason Canal, uh, you know, dis- disclosing information on behalf of Associated Newspapers. So it all is is very interesting to see who's willing to talk, but also that, you know, we know on the flip side of that, Megan's former staff are, I guess the inquiry into her, the bullying allegations is still ongoing, although it feels like we're never going to hear anything more about that. But it just is like an interesting contrast that the Cambridge's staff are speaking, you know, on behalf of this lovely celebration of Kate and, uh, you know, these wonderful articles that paint uh, a very nice, shed nice light on them. But then we have on the flip side this, uh, you know, bullying allegations. So... I did want to say like just some tidbits well back, separate from all of this that I wanted to that were mentioned in the Daily Mail article of what is the C&C bracelet? This was news to me that Camilla gave this to Kate upon <laughs> close to the wedding and I went and looked it up and I because I think C&C has such a like incendiary kind of for all of us because of the crown and all these different things but also just the history of knowing what it you know for Diana and all this all this the cufflinks. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I looked it up and it was basically that it's one C is for Camilla, the other is for Catherine, correct? Oh, I would have thought Catherine in Cambridge. I thought that would have been a clever way to do C and C, but okay. All right. That's what, what I read. Bethan, do you know anything? Am I wrong? Yeah, no, I I, I thought it was, yeah, Catherine and Camilla. Mm. There's a picture, I think, of her wearing it at Wimbledon um, just a few months after they were married. Um, but yeah, you're so right. And I actually wrote um, an article a while ago. It was around um, the Kristen Stewart film, Spencer, because she wears lots of Chanel in that film. And there's so many stories about Princess Diana and her very complicated relationship with Chanel because of the CC thing. And she had actually said to someone, oh, you know, I actually can't wear Chanel because of the CC logo. But there is a picture of Princess Diana wearing a Chanel jacket on the day that um, her separation from Prince Charles was announced. So as someone who who know, I, I do think Prince Diana like, would have chosen that jacket on yeah. um, to kind of make a point. So um, for Camilla to then give that to Kate, and I guess maybe they're just, you know, 
trying to brush off the past and perhaps don't um go into quite as much depth on it as as the likes of us would but yeah they're definitely you would think there might be kind of a feels very a second yeah it feels very awkward to me because it's also like a best friend it seems like a camilla catherine bracelet is like a best friend bracelet from your mother-in-law which is a bit weird too like i don't know (laughs) it's like it just is such a weird concept to me like i would never think like Camilla Catherine bracelet. I don't know. Yeah, I, I do love the Catherine Cambridge theory, though. Yeah, I think okay. that's well, a yes. that's a kinder theory. <laughs> it <laughs> but, is um, one that she might be more likely to wear instead of you know all that her her late mother in law has been through. So yeah. Bottom line, we are very happy to toast Kate on her fortieth. It's like a very very major major birthday, and we're very happy for her and excited for what's ahead. But we can move on unless anyone else has anything to say about this. No, that's perfect. I think we should uh, quickly go over Meghan and Harry's Christmas card, which, oh my gosh, was released when we were kind of on a little break from the pod and we had pre-recorded our end of the year episode. So we had this drop and we got to see baby Lilibet for the first time. I mean, what a delightful surprise. That um, photo was beautiful. Just oh, so beautiful. Stunning. I was so a Christmas floored. gift, yeah. And also Archie. I mean, what I was thinking was a lot of people were saying, oh, Archie's red hair. But we really haven't seen his face that much either because the shots that they've released have been mostly of him from behind, like holding those balloons. And we got um, him feeding the chickens in one photo from I think the Ellen show and so uh yeah it was really exciting to see both kids and just lovely and I think you know I was thinking about how we saw the Cambridge Christmas card all the knees you know there was so (laughs) many knees in there William's knees and then the Sussexes were like we raise you our bare feet because we have now (laughs) Harry with bare feet it was same as the announcement picture of the pregnancy earlier in February he had bare feet and uh all the kids bare feet Megan had nude flats on I think so um not quite bare feet but Beth and what was your reaction what was the reaction across the pond and what was your reaction Well, my personal reaction was I was just totally obsessed with it instantly because I just thought it looked like a kind of Ralph Lauren, J. Crew ad, you know? I just thought it was so, like, it was so polished and it was obviously so carefully kind of thought through, um, which I really appreciate. Um, It looked like a a glossy magazine shoot, um, which I loved. And I loved they were all... I, I just felt like there were all these sort of things in there saying we live in LA now we're American (laughs) um we are just having a chilled out time and we're leaving that royal thing behind you know the jeans you know the Mm -hmm. all in jeans I just thought was very kind of chic and casual loved the bare feet loved um Harry and Archie and the kind of unbuttoned relaxed shirts you know Mm. like they were on holiday and they just thrown it on for lunch kind of thing um (laughs) (laughs) but I also thought it was really sweet that um Lily Lily Bet was in the kind of white cotton dress because that was actually basically like something that the queen would have worn when she was a baby Mm. um 
when I was researching my my new book about the Queen, I found all this stuff about how there was at the time there was like this war on whether you, whether you dress your child in cotton or wool, and the the Queen, as of like a baby princess, was dressed in cotton, and so she was seen as like the side of the cotton, and all the pictures of her in these like white frilly cotton dresses. So I thought that was, I mean, I'm probably re- reading way too much into no, it. No, I, just I thought love it was that. Very. Um, and so then everyone's like, Very cotton sweet. it is. Yes. We'll go with cotton. <laughs> we'll go with that. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So it was adorable. And um, I mean, I love a navy um, roll neck as well. So mm. it's really there for Megan's roll neck. Um, so, yeah, I I just I loved all the style in it. I love the Ralph Lauren call out because all the denim and the chambray and just a, it did feel so, yeah, almost advertisement worthy with the way they were posed too and Lily has this perfect laugh on her face I also thought her outfit kind of was a little bit christening like like almost Mm. maybe because of the all white and the white bloomers that felt a little bit christening to me which um you know the queen in her Christmas speech called out that she had four new great-grandchildren and uh I thought that was really a nice shout out to them still it being included in that message. Um, anything else? Yeah, to I add, also just Rachel? like the yeah. mood that was captured. Like, because I think beyond the clothes, I think, like you said, that they're in a different, totally different stage of life now, being in California, all of that. But, you know, and to have Alexi Lumbermirsky, if I'm saying his name right, who was the same photography photographer for the engagement and their wedding and that sort of cohesive moment for them but I think the skill of a good photographer to capture that joy like the Mm. the joy is what I felt so much from the photo and I just I think that it will be on a mood board for me for next year with Christmas card goals because (laughs) I think I always get really stressed out about what to wear and that really kind of gave me some permission to just chill out and relax a little bit like jeans what you wear every day or you know some version of that really does work so I loved the photo jeans with holes too yeah Yeah. it was like we're totally unrestricted (laughs) yes yes Um, and then one more mention I mean they have so much reason to have all that joy and be so happy because they did get also I mean among other things they had uh, Megan's Victory over the Daily Mail printed on the front page that was December 26th and so it was at the bottom of the front page but just a short report on page 3 uh, that alluded to um, her victory over the judgment summary of the Associated Newspapers and them infringing her copyright. So I guess there will be a big lump sum paid out to her is what it sounds like. They've already discussed and agreed on the monetary settlement as well. So I loved that that was like meant to be kind of buried on Boxing Day that it wasn't, but then like the internet just took it by storm. Like all the memes, like the different photos that were mocked up as an alternate cover and her just kind of like sipping champagne or walking, like striding along. I thought it was a really cool thing to see it just totally blow up on, you know, it was trending everywhere. Yeah. Good moment for her. Right. Well, how the rest of the royals celebrated, we want to get into that because there was, surprisingly, it wasn't a very quiet Christmas. You know, I think that with everyone kind of hunkered down with the variant, like we actually got a fair amount of moments with the fam. Uh, But I did want to also go back because we we really didn't get a chance to talk about Kate Williams' Christmas concert in in terms of Kate's piano performance. That was (sighs) such a shocker. Was it a shocker for you? Bethan, I mean, Roberta and I were like, wait, what? When we saw her, that clip surface. 
I know she's a woman of many talents. Isn't many she? talents. I mean, she just, <laughs> she just kind of rolls incredible. up her sleeves, and there's another one. It's I know. So so many she's one of these people who like makes you feel really bad that you didn't carry. <laughs> yes. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I like did like I did too. You know, two weeks of piano and then gave up. And you know, she has all these all these things that she's just brilliant at. Um, you're like, oh, okay, f- fine, another thing. Um, so yeah, I mean. <laughs> Uh, that was um obviously a lovely moment very heartwarming um and yeah just a really lovely personal touch and I think that's what's really nice is that you know she it's kind of like with her photography she's bringing in this these personal touches and things that she genuinely feels really passionate about into her work and I get I know we were talking about realness earlier and that's kind of her way of showing it I think but yeah that's for someone who like used to find just like saying a few words in public incredibly nerve-wracking to go out and play the piano is um a massive step. Well, yeah. yeah, and that's what I kind of needed to do the research on is that it was pre-recorded. They rehearsed her and Tom Walker rehearsed it about 9 times and then she was able to fine-tune it on her own because it with the piano lessons all that came back for me like you mentioning that is my piano recital anxiety like I remember having to do that and I had a teacher that required that we play only from memory that was like a method of teaching at the time I'm sure it still is it's a I can't remember the exact method um but I definitely had moments where uh, or a very memorable recital where I got up to the piano and choked and so I feel like I just all of those anxieties for me watching her came back you know it's like I know she was playing like a similar rhythm throughout but then she had a mini solo seeing that but was just brought it all back for me. But I I think knowing that it was pre-recorded and that the people at the actual concert didn't see that part, it was inserted into the broadcast, was interesting to realize. Still so much pressure with that whole, or- you know, the accompaniment, the violinist, all of that stuff was fascinating to me. And mentioning yeah. even just her fashion, like the functionality of that dress, you really got to see when she sat down, like with the piano what are the things underneath it? Petals. The petals, the petals. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why did I forget that <laughs> word? Yeah, so I think just seeing her, you know, it's like, wait, no, I'm going to sit down and go to work. Well, and just that she, like, um, completely had had the look, because she'd recorded it the, the day before, she had the exact same outfit yeah. on, you know? So it was very seamless, you know? It was, they obviously make, made us want to think that um she was doing it live yeah <laughs> and exact same hair like I think they really tried to get mm. that exactly right so that from the back because you can really only see her the back of her head and her hair for um a lot of it is that it was identical to when she showed up the next day live so in truly blown away now I just want to picture Kate playing like Auld Lang Syne at New Year's for the her kids family, like caroling or, around yeah. the piano <laughs> exactly right. we know they love uh they love music the kids do at least William shared that and so. I didn't know Diana was a pianist that there was this 1988 oh, tour of Australia hmm. and she performed Rachmaninoff's piano concerto number two there's video of it on YouTube wow. where she just people kind of egg her on to go sit down and she's like all right after Charles does a few cello notes and oh she God. does like quite a few you know it's a lengthy stint so everyone should look it up it's pretty pretty funny it's amazing it's like a Jane Austen novel where they're all just like so accomplished you know yeah so many hobbies yeah I I wish I had like one good hobby but I'll work on that this year (laughs) we also had the sighting of the Cambridges outside St. Mary Magdalene Church they were in the car they had the happy new year picture that Roberta mentioned earlier that was such a surprise to get a behind the scenes shot of them in that you know Kate in that bond dress looking so like a million dollar smiles 
there. And the PDA, the like hands on hands. I love that. Yeah. Moment of PDA with the Cambridges. Yeah. And we heard, you know, Camille and Charles spent Christmas with the Queen and they went to church in the morning. Andrew and Edward, I think, were there. There were rumors, but they were very lightly mentioned in the coverage I read. I don't know if that, Bethan, did you hear otherwise? Yeah. I mean, I think Andrew is for reasons already mentioned yes really a very low a low profile mm. I absolutely loved I don't know if you guys saw Sophie's hat yeah um, she was wearing like this leopard print Jackie Kennedy hat which was just so chic um I think Sophie is a bit of a, a surprise royal style muse sometimes she inspired me to and you actually bethan i need to give you credit because your coverage in the telegraph has completely converted me not just royal but your regular fashion coverage to me and m so the dress that sophie wore to wimbledon i ended up buying and just love it i actually don't let myself wear it enough because i'm it's you know kind of a cream color and i'm so worried about dry cleaning bills and stuff like that but i feel like it's <laughs> their their stuff is top notch i'm really a huge fan of me and m now yeah they're great oh that's good to know good to i know. just sent you guys the link to that leopard hat because oh, it I really need to look is at it. so chic i thought that that with oh, the navy wow, coat was such an this. unexpected Pairing, so I needed yeah, to Yeah, I mean, that. it's so like, it's kind of like Jackie Kennedy, mm-hmm. 1950s. I don't know. It's just, yeah, that was um, a little surprise fashion. Yeah, yeah way to go, Sophie. And she was mentioned in that Daily Mail article we discussed about Kate at 40 and how she has really looked up to Sophie as someone that, you know, as 17, someone 17 years her senior, I think it said, that um, has been a role model for her as well and kind of um, – into the royal family. So I thought that was really nice. And, yeah. But we know, well, we'll get into this later, but who wasn't there was Anne. I know. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And Lawrence having COVID, we'll get into that. So yes. What, um, what else do we have? I want to make sure we talk about the Queen's speech because this was a huge, oh, yes. you know, we have not seen the Queen. And I mean, obviously this wasn't a public appearance, but this was a video of the Queen We've had still images. And what did you guys think? Because I was that red, just she looked so bright and festive. It was really special to get that as she delivers every year. And I think, I mean, Bethany, you know best, but I feel like red also is like strong in a time where we are a little bit all worried about the queen's health. And red is a very powerful color. Same with, I think, Kate wearing red a lot this year. It's very bold and, um, you know, it's strength and it's look at me. And so I think that that was really um, a nice color for her when, you know, the nation is kind of on edge about the health concerns surrounding Her Majesty. And But it was a very sad Christmas message, a lot about Prince Philip's passing, and this is her first Christmas without him. So um, it, was, it was a bit sad, but she said, you know, he would want the celebrations to continue. And so that was kind of the, the final note was one of optimism. But Bethan, what was your reaction? Did you watch in real time? Uh, yeah, well, my family... Um, we always kind of have a break between our Christmas dinner main course and our dessert oh. to to watch the Queen. Oh. It's, a, it's a big occasion. Nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, and I mean, I'm kind of not ashamed to admit that I kind of found myself slightly tearful just listening to her because it was really one of her most personal um, Christmas messages that she's ever given. Often it can be... Um, you know, much more surface and, you know, much more kind of business-like. But, you know, the way that she spoke about her husband, I think, was was very touching and, um, yeah, really lovely. And it, she was wearing the the sapphire and diamond 
chrysanthemum brooch um, that she had worn on her honeymoon. So that's become a kind of brooch that's very associated with her relationship with Philip, which I thought was, um, you know, a really nice touch as well. Um, and yeah, the dress is... Lots of people were saying that with the blue brooch um, and the, the red dress, it was you know ultra patriotic you know mm. and very much like the colors of the union jack and so yeah i think it was kind of just what what everyone needed at that moment and um again just shows i think that the royals are just realizing that they if they give a little bit more of themselves they get so much back and so i think her just saying some some very personal things you know that it really kind of was very touching. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Her steadiness is always so appreciated and calming, especially during times like this. Like even watching it again this morning as we prep for this, I was just like, it gives me this moment up for myself of just like, okay, take a deep breath. I always feel that from these speeches. Uh, but yeah, I, I did feel like it was it, much more vulnerable. And I was really drawn to the footage and the timing of the footage that was, you know, pr mm. projected throughout, which was just the images. Um, I think it just made me more emotional watching so anyways yeah. it was uh it was a beautiful speech definitely watch it or re-watch it if you haven't haven't yet so all right before we adjourn here are our highs and lows it's time for the royal highs and lows i'll kick it off with i already spoiled it for myself tim timothy lawrence having covid so this was right before the christmas holidays princess anne's husband tested positive on december 22nd which you know, makes it obvious why they weren't at St. George's Chapel the morning of Christmas. And um, that is what the fourth confirmed royal family member. There was Charles William confirmed later. Sophie had a close brush, but we're not sure if she actually had it. And then I think Timothy Lawrence. So, yeah, just um, a sad moment for them to have to spend it apart from uh, the queen. What, what's your low, Rachel? Mine was the Christmas news alert that popped up on my phone that there was a man with a crossbow that was oh arrested gosh. on the Windsor grounds. Uh, that was, he was 19, I guess. And he had that morning, really, there was a video, a Snapchat video that he had announced he wanted to assassinate the queen that the son picked mm. up. Uh, that was just so shocking. I mean, I think any sort of security breach, it sounds like he was apprehended quite expediently and he's in the care of medical professionals now and maybe was a mental health um, concern but I feel like that was just you know not what you want at 8 30 a.m on a Christmas morning at all no such a shock yeah. that was a low what about you Bethan what was your low well could I could, my high and low are basically very related do it, <laughs> so do, them both. Do it. yeah get them. okay get so them my my high was Kate arriving at church as we discussed on Christmas morning um, and she was wearing um, a blazer by this brand called Blase Milano, mm -hmm. which is a brand that she's never worn before. Um, it's a very cool, like, it girl brand, basically. Um, so that's kind of my high, because I just love it when she, you know, makes a new foray into a different a different label. But my low is that we didn't really get to see very much of it at all. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a bit disappointing that we didn't get more kind of car pictures um, we well we but we only got car pictures and we didn't get to see the full outfit because um I would have loved to have seen how she styled that because usually it's kind of worn by you know cool fashion editors with like you know jeans and a handbag at like fashion week and stuff so I'd like to see how she styled her Blase Milano jacket for 
Christmas church at Sandringham. Alas, we will never know. It was this the one where she was also wearing the fedora with the feathers, totally, which was yeah, such exactly. a statement too. Like that—that's a—is that a rewear or not? I'm I'm blinking now. If she's ever worn that, so she's worn very similar hats, but apparently okay. that was a new Philip Tracy hat. So it was new, but I mean, she, she basically has very similar ones, and it's a very kind of classic english country look that yeah. fedora with the with the feather in it but then to be wearing like this plaid blazer by this you know very fashiony label was was just quite surprising to me and i loved it yeah if oh, only I she had like too. gotten out just to like adjust some you know seating for the kids in the back like giving us just uh, any glimpse we would yeah, have so appreciated <laughs> maybe our prediction should be that more of that blazer in 2022 or more fashion so. yeah yes, more it girl fashion <laughs> we live her. for it right yeah. yeah what's your high roberta my high is that uh Instagram carousel posted by Princess Eugenie. She posted 10 pictures in a row with the the caption. Wow. I know. Maxed out her, which like is just also side note, like all of us going through our camera roll from the year. I feel like I was looking back. So much pressure to do that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And like she kind of whittled it down to her top 10, but there was a wonderful behind the scenes look at the christening of her son August. And we did get just a very blurry um, kind of outline of also baby Lucas in the background held by Zara Tyndall. And she said, happy new year to all. Goodbye, 2021, a year that blessed us with our boy and saw our family grow with new additions, but also a year that took some of our biggest and brightest lights forever in our hearts was her caption. And obviously a call out to Philip and George Brooksbank, her father, her late father-in-law who passed away also. So, um, but I just think more behind the scenes content from these royals who do kind of maintain their Instagram presence is really, hopefully we'll see um, a lot of that in 2022. Absolutely. My high was the Queen's New Year's honors list. I feel like obviously there were so many amazing names, Daniel Craig, Tony Blair, but my absolute thrill that I didn't see through a press announcement from the palace, but because I follow him online was Oliver Jeffers, who is the children's book author. His book, Fate of Fausto, is one of the most read books on our bookshelf for Finn. And I had the privilege of meeting him just two weeks before this announcement came out because he had an exhibit. I guess maybe actually time would have vortex. It was probably a month ago now that I think about it, but he had an exhibit in New York City and it was my first and I guess first press event back from like indoor press event from the pandemic. And he was just such an absolute joy and thrill. And he has a new book. There's a ghost in this house. So very exciting. He's also in Brooklyn, but he's goes to Northern. He lives in Northern Ireland a lot of the time, but he has a base in Brooklyn as well. So that was very exciting for me to feel that sort of connection. Six degrees of separation. I feel like I might become more familiar with his work. Than That's it. <laughs> I, need, I will send it to you. I need, you need to get all of his books. They will make you cry. They will make you laugh. But the art you will mm. want, every piece framed, it is just the, they are the best. And the queen thinks so too. <laughs> Really. <laughs> um, all right. Just a reminder before we close, leave us a royal rating. This one says, I've been listening to Royally Obsessed for nearly, nearly a year. It's been my favorite pandemic distraction to soak up info about the British royal family. Thanks for such a great show. Reminder to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Please write us at info at gallerypodcast.com. We love to hear from you. And thank you so much, Bethan, for coming on the show again. And your book is out April, your new book about the queen. And you have to come back. 
I will. I mean, happily, anytime. We love hanging out with you guys. Please. (laughs) And it's available for pre-order now. It's called The Queen, 70 Years of Majestic Style. We cannot wait. We cannot wait. And you have a very exciting 2022 to look forward to in the next few months. So we, we are very excited for you and all that's ahead. Yeah. Thank you. Until next week. God God save save the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.